Today's reading comes from Exodus chapter 22, verses 16 through 31. If a man seduces the virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. You shall not wrong a, a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners once in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with a sword, and your wives shall become widows and your, and your children fatherless. If you lend any money to any one of my people, with you who is poor, you shall not be like the money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest for, from him. If ever you have taken, if ever you take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is only for that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. And what else shall he sleep? If he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You should not. You should not revel. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. You should not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons shall you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and and with your sheep. Seven days it will it shall pass. Be with its mother. On the eighth day, you shall give it to me. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the do- you, sh- you shall throw it to the dogs. This is God's word. Guys, remain standing. Let's pray together, okay? Lord Jesus, we we humbly come before you, and we hear all those those laws and. Um, in ourselves, we're overwhelmed. But what it hopefully shows is how holy you are, how perfect you are, and and that we can't meet your standards, Lord. Um, I pray you'll give us the grace right now to understand your word, Lord. As you are gracious to reveal it to us, we're not smart enough to get it, but we need your we need your your hand to to just walk us through what does it mean to be your people and to learn more about who you are, Lord. So. Would you use this time to just be faithful to your desire to bring yourself honor and praise and to be exalted? We ask that the gospel would go forth. Uh, you would be gracious to use me. I confess in my flesh we want to be liked. We want uh, to be made much of, Lord. And I just give that over to you and pray that you will be made much of and that you will give me wisdom on how to lead and serve um, and take your word and be faithful to it, Lord. Would you give me that grace in Jesus' name? Amen. Thanks, family. Uh, please be seated. Thank you, Zeke, my man. Um, we are in the book of Exodus, as you know that, family. Our kids are with us, uh, which is awesome. All We love that. At the same time, it's always crazy when you're going through the Pentateuch because you don't know which passage you're going to get. So, um, sorry, parents. Hey, uh, 
we were passing out Bibles right now. Uh, Pastor Leon's passing out Bibles. If you need Bibles, go ahead and grab one. We just want to make sure that we are, uh, the, the, the verses will be on the screen, but we always want to make sure that we're learning how to process through the scriptures. And so we want you to be able to look in your own Bible and not get lazy. If you need a Bible for your house, let us know. We would love to process that with you so we can hook you up because we want us to be very, very familiar with the scriptures and diving in and understanding who God is and who you are in relation to him. We are riding, uh, going through the book of Exodus. A lot has been going on, guys. Uh, you are entering into a moving train. Um, if you are coming in right now, we are in Exodus chapter 22. Uh, let me go ahead um, as much as I can and try to give us a, a brief overview. What we have is um, the first couple of chapters. We, we just see God's grace all throughout Exodus as he is preparing us to see our need for him, to realize that we're created by him, and then he gives us an invitation to be his people, right? That's what he's basically doing uh, in the book. Um, what I want to do uh, is first chapters 1 and 2, basically we have Israel being oppressed. Uh, we see that Israel uh, has entered into uh, this journey in the beginning of Exodus as uh, slaves. And then uh, Moses is born. Uh, what I want to do real quick, hey, totally cool with our, with, our, with our younger kids. But the older kids, I want you not to be talking. I want you to be listening, okay? Just want to make sure I have that, just that, that dichotomy there. Okay, thanks, guys. Um, uh, chapters 3 and 4, we have God actually revealing himself to Israel. So Moses is born, who's kind of basically the, 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 the viceroy, prophet, priest, and king, right? He's coming and he's going to kind of deliver these people, but he's not the prophet, priest, it's actually our Lord, but he's going to use Moses. Chapters 3 and 4, God reveals himself to Israel. He then actually chooses Moses, uh, which is a beautiful story, so I want to encourage you to check it out. Um, if you haven't had a chance to go through the book of Exodus, we then see... God actually uh, promising and, and saying that he's going to deliver his people, right? He's saying, hey, I see what's going on with you. I see you're in slavery, uh, but I want you to know you're my people, and I'm faithful to my promise, and so I'm going to deliver you. And then you have this big uh, kind of standoff between God and, and Pharaoh, uh, which is basically 5 through 7, and then 7 through 12, you just have the picture of what that standoff looks like, where where God begins to just show us, the people who are kind of the, the fly on the wall watching the standoff, that that man, God is against Pharaoh, and he's trying to remind Pharaoh that he's not God, that God is God, and God does what he wants when he wants, and shows the whole world that God can take what, what we would perceive as the most powerful person uh, in the known world, and just kind of squash him like a bug whenever he wants, so we can have perspective on the power of God, and that's what's happening uh, with the plagues, it's showing the very things uh, that Pharaoh, you cannot create, you cannot manipulate, I do by just the mentioning of my word, and then we have uh, verse chapters 13 through 18 where uh, you have the, the beautiful picture of the Exodus, which has revealed itself as God guiding his people. He, he, he promised to deliver them. He steps up to the, the enemy, as it were, and he defeats the enemy. And then he grabs his people and he takes them, as it were, beginning this journey into the promised land. That's chapters 13 through 18, where we see beautiful evidences of God's grace again. Throughout all this, God is continually showing that he is kind and he is gracious and he is faithful to his people. So then we have the pillar of fire, how he 
he's being revealing himself through the pillar of fire, and, and we see the reality of uh, the cloud of smoke when he's revealing himself to the people. We see uh, God delivering his people uh, through the Red Sea. We see bread from heaven. We see manna, right? This whole concept of manna coming down and feeding his people. We see water from a rock. So God is just trying to show over and over again that he is gracious, that he is powerful, that he's in control, and that he doesn't just say, I'm going to, I'm going to save you, I'm going to deliver you, and then leave you out for nothing, but that he, 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 what he does is he protects his people even after he grabs them and delivers them. Uh, then after he tries to kind of instill into them and into us, right, as we're watching this as onlookers, as he's instilling this reality of, of, of being this protector, of being this deliverer, he, he kind of says, okay, now I want to help you understand, uh, hopefully because you have confidence in me now, what does it mean to be in relationship with me? And so that's what's been going on for a little bit now. And in verses, you know, chapter 19 and 20, we have God in relationship, God really beginning to, to, to kind of formulate what does it mean to be in relationship with this holy God who has saved you, who has delivered you, who has provided for you. And that's where you have the beautiful, the beautiful Ten Commandments. And then what we have right now, we're right in the midst of what they call uh, the Book of the Covenant. Uh, so that's basically chapters uh, 20 uh, through uh, chapter 23. And, and just for clarity, the Book of the Covenant is, is actually distinct from the Ten Commandments. Uh, the Book of the Covenant is what theologians would call uh, this actually this pericope that we're in right now. It's called the Book of the Covenant. That's from uh, chapter the end of chapter uh, 20, verse 19, uh, all the way to like uh, 23, 33. Uh, I think I have, yeah, I have that right. And so what, what the book of the covenant is basically the principles, as it were, some of the major principles that are set forth from the Ten Commandments, okay? And so, and you'll see this in other, in other texts as we uh, exposit the passage there. But I just want to make sure we understood that this is actually really intentional by the author as he's setting up this clarity of what does it mean to be God's people, right? And so you have the Ten Commandments, now we're in the Book of the Covenant, and now we're here. And the reason, if you notice, I, I skipped chapter, uh, verses 1 through 16, and I started at 16 because I feel like uh, those first 15 verses are kind of the same of what, what Terry uh, went through with us, okay? This whole concept of, of what does it mean to, uh, to do good, and I didn't want to just kind of reiterate uh, those verses, so I want to get into a new uh, framework of what God was talking about as he's beginning to teach his people what does it mean to be his people. So here we are now. In verse 16 of chapter 22 in the book of Exodus, all right? And, and what I want to say is um, a couple things. First, I want us to uh, not get used to or, or kind of feel like we're just getting all these laws and, and we're hearing another law and another law. But I, what I want us to kind of see here is first, I love these passages as a pastor because uh, people always want to know what's the application, you know, at the end of a sermon. And uh, these kind of passages, you, there's no way you can ask that, right? I mean, there's ap- the, the, whole, the, whole, the whole context is application. And so what he's really doing right now, in, even though in the flesh you and I want to tune out because it's another rule, this is very important because he's trying to tell you and teach you about who he is and his character and then who you are to be as his people, right? So this is very important for us because we're actually learning something about who God is and what he wants us to be about as his people. It just reminds me of like, um, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a failed analogy, but I'm just thinking like, you know, when Barack Obama became president, you know, I mean, I'm sure uh, people close to him, it, it, it just didn't affect Barack Obama, right? 
um, and this, this is a failed analogy, but I'm just thinking about the importance of connection and how we like to be in relation to people. Um, if, and so when Barack became, like say if I became president, you know what? All my homies that know me or people that's close to me, I'm probably going to ask them to act a little more right than they used to. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of the, just, you know some of your family members, right? You're going to probably give them a personal call and say, look, man, I'm about to run for president, all right? So dot, dot, dot. I ain't going to be filling the dots. But don't be acting up. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so there's something about, even in a practical sense of relationship, like we love to be connected to people, but when we are connected to people, especially that person who has some sense of power, who has some sense of notoriety, there's an expectation that those around me are going to act a certain way so that, that my character isn't defamed by the way you act. Right? Now, that's just people you know. See, God is saying something very different, something bigger. He's saying, I made you my child, right? And here's the thing. In, I think naturally we read the Bible and we think, oh, okay, like we can't really connect. we like, are we really God's child? Like, okay, he's cleansed us. He's been kind to us. But, but ontologically the Bible is saying, which means like in essence, it's not that he just made you your child because he said you're my child. It says that he rebirthed you. And that actually in the power of the Holy Spirit, that ontologically, in essence, you are God's child. Now that's different than God's creation. Don't get that mixed up. People talk all this, yeah, we're all God's children. That's a lie. That's not biblical. Young people, that's not biblical. You are not God's child until you are born again in Christ. You start out as God's creation. God gives you that common grace to be created by God, the Imago Dei, and be flawed like we all are. But, but salvific grace gives you the opportunity to be a child of God. And what God says is when he gives you the revelation to know him, believe him, trust him, repent of your sin, and experience and enjoy Christ, he says he ontologically, in essence, the, the person who you are, you are his child. And as a parent, when your child doesn't act nothing like you, you're like, what is your problem? When they start doing stuff... And you're like, that ain't what rusters do. Am I right? <laughs> so Yahweh is saying, hey, you are my children. You are my children. So let me give you a little inkling of how I roll and why this is why you should roll that way. So that's what's going here. I just want to help us see why this is actually important. Okay, this is who God is. So how am I supposed to act? What, what, what is God saying about this? And what's my motivation? Okay, so that's where we're headed. I hope that makes sense. There's three great lessons that God is trying to teach you and me when we think about the laws, right? Now, we know that, that, that the ceremonial laws and the civil laws are fulfilled in Christ, right? But there's a lot of moralistic laws that actually are getting heightened by Jesus that are in this text, too. And I want to propose that those ceremonial civil laws are still very important because they help you understand how to have healthy community, right? Three big great lessons. First, I want to say that he's trying to instill in you and me, and don't, don't, don't miss this, family. First, that he wants to build a robust understanding for you and me that you are accountable. I am accountable to God. As his people, do you, have you really just processed that? He wants you to know you are accountable to me. This, this pause on that. Think about that. I'm accountable to the creator of all creation. Ex nihilo, those that have, things that have not been created and things that have been created, God himself is saying, you, I'm going to look at you one day and say, you know what, I gave you some things to do. Uh, 
Second, don't miss this. Your neighbor matters. These are huge. This is the, I want to say these are some of the pinnacle things. He's, he's saying, well, what is God trying to teach us? He's teaching you, hey, you my child, and, and guess what? I'm, I'm going to hold you accountable. So many things I'm going to say, hey, man, you're my son. What you, you acting like you're not my son. What's up? And your neighbor matters. Your neighbor matters. Um, third, that holiness before the Lord is not just about personal piety. Okay? Holiness before the Lord is private piety, but it's also public morality. That is not just about, well, it's between me and Jesus. That's not biblical. We got we to gotta reject that, that, that 19th century evangelical notion that just you, Jesus, and Starbucks is all you need. That's not true. The first century Jew would have thought you was crazy to say something like that. That you are always saved into community. You are grafted into a narrative. You don't start a narrative. Right? So God is saying, let me, let me, so now he, so, so all this stuff here is him just fleshing that out. That's what he's doing. Public morality matters, family. Thank you, brother. Hey, man, I need that. You know what I'm saying? Woo, you got me. When you said that, I was like, where am I at? What, this, this ain't reformed. What if, oh, sorry. Threw me off. I thought I was Pastor Richardson's church. <laughs> Stop playing like that. No, keep it going, y'all. If I say something true, tell it, brother. Um, so let's start in verse 16. If a man seduces, so, so that's the context. I just wanted to have a framework. So if a man says in verse 16, so these aren't just like things I'm just going, you know, it's, it's not a bunch of rules. I just think you can start reading and it's like, oh, another one, and I can't do this, and now I got to kill the bird and do the, but verse is saying, why is God telling us all this stuff? So verse 16 says, if a man seduces a virgin who is not pledged to be married and sleeps with her, he must pay the bride price and she shall be his wife. Verse 17 says, if her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he must still pay the bride price for the virgins. So check this out. So, he's, so he's, he's, it's very interesting, you know, if you, the, the verses before were all about like robbery and thievery, okay? I want you to keep that in mind and understand, just like any other book that we give courtesy to, all in history, just the Bible's written and God uses frameworks and like themes and things of that sort. And there's a reason why I would propose that this is so closely connected to, that, to those passages. But let me just say this. Here's what God's saying in, in essence. God's people are not to rob the chastity, the purity of others. Here's what chastity is. Chastity is sexual behavior of a man or woman that is acceptable to the moral standards and guidelines of their culture. Okay? In an essence. Civilization or religion. That's chastity proper. Alright? So let me, let me break it down to you. This is very interesting because he's not talking about rape here. Now, I love that in the sense that there's another law for that, right? He, he has something for that person who wants to rape a young lady. But I love that that's not the only way God in his grace and mercy wants to protect the female. This is about two people and her and the lady having all her wits about her. She's not crazy, right? And then for whatever reason gets into a sexual relationship with a, a, another man, okay? And then he just wants to just do that and dip, and God, see, Beyonce is not the first person to say it. God's the first person who said, if you want it, you got to put a ring on it. You understand? God said it first. Right? God, that's what God is saying here. 
God's saying, listen, okay, wait a minute. If you won't do that to somebody, and hear me, man, because this is, I'm telling you, in our ministry, I, I think one of the saddest, when I think of the, the debacle of our culture, it is us as men destroying women. I think that's the biggest debacle of our culture. I watch us as men just manipulate and emotionally abuse women, and then we walk off. And we think, well, we both hurt. No, 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 no. Because, bro, if you walk off, you don't have to keep the three kids. You know what I'm saying? You walk off, and you're 35 and 40. You know, you can go find a young lady. But look what you do to that girl. Now, she walks off. She has two kids. She's 32, 35. She now has to go get a job. She has to do all these other things. I'm sorry I'm yelling. But, man, we got to understand this. We got to protect our women. We got to have some higher standards. We got some gospel standards here. Look what God says to this dude. He says, listen, first thing, you go marry the girl. That's the first thing he says. If you're going to do this, you're going to ask to marry her. And you're going to provide a bride price. And I love this part. I love this part. He says, and guess what? But then if the daddy don't like you, he still get the dough. I love that. I love, pay me and get out. I love that. That's what God said. Isn't that cool? And it show you his, his, his passion to protect those who are vulnerable? Isn't it a beautiful thing? They tell the guy, no, if the, da- the, dad, the dad gets to choose what's up now. You want to put yourself in that position. I don't want to hear you ain't ready. You still want to go to college. I don't want to hear none of that. You did that tour. You stand before the man and say, I'm at your beck and call. What can I do, sir? Do you want me to marry her? What can I do? I stand naked before you. I'm sorry. I Here I am. And then the daddy gets to say, yes, you will marry my daughter. You will provide a bridal gift and you will work hard the rest of your life and provide for her. We should have that standard. In this local body, we got to have a standard, man, that we, that there's a price to pay when we severely damage our women. Do you understand me? Look what happens here. It's to protect a woman. I love it. I absolutely love that reality. Now, now why would he put it so close? Why would, why would he put it so close? You see, you see why, right? Because God sees you or me robbing a woman for her, from her purity is thievery. It's robbery. That's why he puts it close to that passage. In the same way, like normal robbery, that's what you're doing when you treat a woman like this. And notice, you know, I know we talk about egalitarianism, complementarianism. I think this is another notch for me, y'all, complementarianism. Notice that the vulnerable, that, that it's acknowledged that the woman is the vulnerable of the two. And that's, that's just God. God ain't going, well, hey, we just all doggy dog and just go for No. He's like, no, that woman is special. She is the apple of my eye. You protect her. You're here in Genesis. I would propose in Genesis, you are the prophet, peace, and queen and king, right? You're there to protect, to provide, and to lead to Christ and to, and to lead. And when you don't do that, God has a serious problem. So men don't be, so I can, when men get in relationships and they're just trying to figure it out, I'm like, no. You don't figure it out on her behalf. No, no, you figure it out. You go to Denny's somewhere and figure it out. And then when you get it tight, then you go meet a girl. But you don't be with a girl. I wonder what guy wants me to do and if I want to be in a relationship. And I don't know. But me just trying to hang out. Well, no, but then when you figure it out and leave, here she is again like, huh? It's a little more damage. Well, I'm I'm damaged too. No, you the dude. You notice he don't give a lot of love to the dude in this. 
just trying to keep it real. Like, this is God, right? I want us to have a robust understanding of how we to treat our women. Young boys, young, young men in here. Did you treat a woman? She is a queen. She is your sister until you are ready to marry her. I don't even know where I'm at. So, I just love it. The wisdom and kindness of God in discouraging sexual license, right? And at the same time, what he's doing is protecting vulnerable women. I love that. So he started, he started, he started the journey off with that, right? This is how we, this is how we to treat each other. Verse 18. So he says that picture. And you go, well, how does that fit? Okay, and just keep, keep that in your heart. That's a, that, I think there's a practical application here. We got a lot there, right? Pray about it. Talk about it in Mad Group. Verse 18. Do not allow a sorceress to live. Anyone who has sexual relations with an animal to be, is to be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord must be destroyed. So right here he says, he gives that and then he says, and I'm going to give you three capital crime punishments. Right? Sorcery, bestiality, and idolatry. Uh, pretty, pretty intense stuff. Uh, there, and, it, and it's the sense here, it's the sense of like an imperative, which is a command, right? It's, uh, it's almost like a commandment feel, even though these are not Ten Commandments, right? It's like, this is what you do in these scenarios. Now, I just want to parse out quickly why, well, what these three are, and then I want to share why God is like very uh, uh, serious about this. First, if you look on the screen, sorcery, as it were, is a challenge to the sovereignty and providence of God, right? That's why this is serious to Jesus, right? It's, a, it's an absolute challenge against his sovereignty and providence, right? Well, you go, well, why? Well, when you got people, you know, in some way trying to know the future that God has prepared for, for, for you, trying to, trying to get, a, get a, a preview and a sneak peek on what God, what God trying to do, God, like, hold up, you ain't, I, I'm, I'm God, so when you try to act like God, in essence, you are robbing him of his glory. You are spitting in, his, in the face of his sovereignty, his rule. You are saying that God isn't providential. You already know what's up. Do you see that? And God takes offense when everybody tries to act in any way like they God. Right? That's, that's why we get in trouble sometimes, including myself. And I see it. I don't know why I'm just wise up. I had those moments when I try to act like God, and God like, uh-oh, you're on my hit list. Right? I'm keeping it real. So God's like, no, it's, so when people are doing the sorcery, that's um, another word, a, a witchcraft, uh, taking, I think I even tried to define it up here. Uh, did I, did I, or just basically, let me see if I can even, I put in either attempt, in some cases, to know the future that God has prepared, or in other cases, it is an attempt to manipulate the future that God has prepared. Uh, in, in other cases, is an attempt to usurp his sovereignty and providence uh, over his people by doing harm to people through magic. And therefore, it is a challenge to God and is considered a capital crime against Israel. Okay? Bestiality. In itself. Think about it. God creates us in his image. This whole concept is a perversion of the divine gift that God has given us to be his people and the divine gift of sex, Right? So it's a perversion and denigration of the of the the, the, the imago dei, the image bearing of God. That when we want to do something like that, I'm trying to be careful with the kids. God is saying, "You are you are forgetting why I created you. This is unnatural, right?" And so again, here in Ezekiel, sins are deplorable to God. Sins sin leads us into destruction with God. But guess what? The Bible says all sins aren't equal. Actually, read your Bible. Some guy like, that's foul, that's really foul. 
Now, both get you sent to hell, but there's some things that destroys communities. And there's some things that make you get hit by a truck, right? Those are different, right? And I want to propose, that's why you have some, some sins, God is like, here you have to pay something. In some sins, he's like, we're going to kill you. Right? I can tell you, like, I ain't read that about Well, that's why I want you to read the scriptures and see what God says. How about idolatry? Well, it is a fundamental denial of, of our purpose for being. Right? If God has created you to know him and enjoy him forever. If he's created you, he's created you. You know, we tell, we tell, we talk about the mission of the church. We, we say not this mission of Macad. That's not how we do mission here. We, we want to be in line with God's mission, right? And God's mission is to bring glory. Like we exist to bring glory to Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why people, that's why we exist. Okay. So if you exist to bring glory to Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then you start, <laughs> Fondling with these other things, in essence, you are missing your creative mandate. In essence, guys, I think it's clear. He puts this here because he's saying that these are offenses to the, the fabric of community. Right? If I can go, yeah. So Moses sees these, you know, as killing actually the soul. That you do these things and actually it robs you of your purpose of who you are in God. So you're hearing your 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 Hebrew and you're hearing this. You're like, man, okay, makes sense, Lord. He says, thirdly, look at this. Look at uh, verses 21 through 24. Look at how God speaks of how His people are to treat widows, orphans, and strangers. Look at this. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you were foreigners in Egypt. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. Verse 23. If you do, and they cry out to me. I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. It's amazing to me how many passages, you know, if you can on your own, your own time, go to uh, one of our documents, uh, social concern, uh, that document. And how many times God talks about this reality. And, and as we all know, uh, you know, theology 101, things that are said many, many, many times because it's for a reason. Okay. God is extremely concerned with the welfare of those who are most vulnerable in the community. And it's interesting when you look at it, when he provides the framework of the Ten Commandments, and I tried to put up here uh, uh, basically the, the mandate and then the Ten Commandments that accompany it. I don't know if you've seen them up there. Uh, so you can see that these are connected to the Ten Commandments. Think about that. This is so connected to the Ten Commandments and how many times the focus is like how he's first trying to protect and corrals and, and care for and model that beautiful mercy that he has for those who are vulnerable. It's very interesting, right? That's why, I man, we, we get it wrong when we try to make the gospel and social concern enemies. Because that's bizarre to God. He's extremely concerned. Look what it says here. What's the motivation? It says you treat you treat these people a certain way, right? You strangers and widows and orphans, orphans with fairness and justice. Why? He says, why? Because you were once you were once strangers in Egypt. You were just like this. You were you were orphans, right? Think about the retelling of the gospel there. That's all we're doing. He's just retelling the gospel, right? What's beautiful about the gospel is that he's like, I want you to know this so that you, when you hear this for thousands and thousands of years, and then Jesus comes on the scene, and as it were, you being orphans, he adopts you. 
into the family, you remember this in an even more potent way, right? So you, you, get, you get double adoption, as it were, and you're going, oh, I get it now. That's why I can't look at any person like I'm somebody and they're not because I was a slave and I was an orphan just like them, and we both needed adoption. Oh, we were all on the same playing field, just with the gospel. That's all this is, is him retelling, recapitulating, preparing us to understand how to present the gospel. Right? And look what he says. He, so he, he provides that reality. Hey, you were foreigners too. But then he says another thing. I'm going to fight for these guys. He says, I would judge those who treat widows and orphans in kind, without, with, with, without kindness. And what I love about this, this actually underlines God's compassion, which even says in verse 27, why, do I, why am I doing this? Because I am gracious. I love that, which I want to talk about in one moment. I, it's easy, right? It's, he knows us. He knows us. It's easy to exploit those. It's just a natural thing. If someone doesn't have a natural protector around them, it's easy for us to exploit people. It's an easy thing to do. See, this is all a matter of reason why I was like, hey guys, just make sure we pause, don't, don't gloss over this time. Is because this is a matter of Christian ethics. This is a matter of Christian, what does it mean to be Christian? What does it mean to, to, to allow people to see you and see your love and your kindness and your, and your mercy and to, to remind them that, man, so why? Why are you doing Because my God acts like this. I'm just acting like God. So you can know who he is. You want to know who is God? Oh, well, look at this guy. He goes to that church. He's merciful. She's kind. He's gracious. She's long-suffering. He's sacrificial. He's funny and caring. And, oh, wow. Seems like when I'm in this place, there's a lot of life-giving going around here. There's a lot of gospeling. There's a lot of, man, retelling, encouraging each other. Wow, that, so who's your God? Oh, it's just, we just act like God because we're creating this image. We believe that we get to retell his story. He bursts us again and makes us, gives us the opportunity to, to be like him in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh, right? John, John. Foreigners. Absolutely, which is even even awesome, right? So I love that. Which which again, remember, Old Testament never is like, New Testament never is like bringing up anything new. Oh, it's just a, it's just a retelling of the Old Testament that's being fulfilled in Christ. And so you see God in Matthew sixteen, and He's doing that. He's modeling that, right? He's loving the sojourner, as it were, the Gentile, and they're all like, "Hold up, Jesus, we we supposed to be your people. Why are you always talking to these thugs?" you doing you be spending all your time with these thugs you don't even hang out with us no more jesus and jesus is like what you 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 got to twist it man you didn't read the word no man we we treat people fairly i'm trying to i'm trying to model something to you you said you've been reading it i'm trying to model it to you now you're getting called to the carpet because you don't like it seen practically it was cool and when it was in a book but now i'm actually showing you how to care for those who are who, who you feel aren't don't look like you or don't act like you or ain't got them as much dough as you or the, the pedigree of your family or your acumen and now you're like what you doing right so exactly that's a call for us right now I know that we, we we're, I know by God's grace he's allowed us to have a spiritual awakening in our, in our local body that's kind of a little further than some places but let's not pat ourselves on the back we got a lot of work to do here right we got a lot of work to do here and some of you guys are awesome. God has given you that grace, and, rev- and y'all see it, and I can p- pick some of you guys out who just, God has given you that grace to just care for those who are in the margins. And many of us, are, many of us struggle, including myself. 
But man, let's keep being convicted by God's word and reminding us who I am in Christ so I can take those steps in the power of the Holy Spirit to honor Christ. That's why we come here, not to feel bad, but to go, oh yeah, Lord, yep, yep, that's, yeah, you give me the power to do that. Let me, praise God for mercy and grace. Let me just, you know, I got Monday. I, <laughs> I love it, right? I love tomorrow. I messed up today. Well, let me just, next time at the gas station. You know what I mean? This is, praise God for that. The gospel is free. Don't feel in shackles when you see who you are not. Trust Christ. Um, so thank you. Yeah, John. Um, he goes on. Look at this. Um, can I just say something? And, and if you notice, this whole piece here, uh, it's, it's important because people, we, I think the community, you know, I talk a lot about communicable attributes, you know, that God has created us with those attributes. And I'm, I'm convinced of this. Like, People, we, 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 we cheer for the underdog, right? We, we don't like bullies. We, you know, even, you know, it's funny, even bullies don't like bullies. You ever meet a real bully? Like, they'll bully people, but then they'll get mad when there's another bully. And I, maybe I'm talking from Calvin's bully, you know? And, you know, that's how jacked up we are. We have a six, a weird sense of justice that we, we want to fight for those who, like, when we see people just get jacked up, we're like, man, that's jacked up. But then we will do that to other people. So God is trying to recover a robust understanding of justice, guys. Verse 25, it says, If you lend money to one of my people among you who is needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Now notice that. Charge no interest. Verse 26, If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. So he goes on with this whole theme again of, of how you treat people. And, and now what I wanted to say here is, is what's interesting. We always got to remember our motivation and our power source as Christians because unbelievers have the same common grace. The unbelievers can be humanitarian, right? And their, and their, and their power source comes from that flaw, that flawedness of God creating us to know that we're human and we're supposed to help other people. So the unbelievers get that. Unbelievers are like, man, for some reason, I'm supposed to just like probably help other humans. You know what I'm saying? That's just how, why? Because God made you. So you just like, even though you, you wilding out, you're like, but I'm supposed to help people. Like, this is crazy. So that's humanitarianism. Christians, we're not just humanitarian. See, our, our focus and our power source flows from a, a, a different framework. And that's what God is trying to teach us here. He's trying to teach you and me to have a, a, a big understanding of God's character and that he created you. And so that flows out of us. It's like, this is like, I'm just being who God made me to be. Like, this is, that's, it's a different thing than just, I'm just being a good human. You see that? It's not semantics, y'all. It's, it's prayer and meditation, meditating on, no, no, I do these things because, man, my king is about this, and I'm like daddy. You see that? That power has a very different motivation. So we, you might be on the block doing something with the, with the dude who don't know the Lord, but always remember why you're doing it. Don't be doing it like him and having him trick you, too. We're trying to trick you. You're doing it like us. Yeah, I am. Wait, wait a minute. So they want to mute, want to mute the gospel out. No, you keep the gospel loud. So he, he says this here, and this passage demands that now now there's a couple of things real quick as far as usury. So usury is a word is like taxes or interest. Okay, so what's going on here? A couple of things would be going on here. He could be saying, hey, actually in history they was like, okay, first is saying uh, don't pay any taxes uh, to a person you know that you're trying to that you that you're giving help to. Okay. 
But then what happened actually in history is that when you had kind of the rise of capitalism, uh, basically uh, Catholics and some individuals actually changed that and was like, no, nah, we need to get paid. So I think it's actually saying, which is what we all do with theology sometimes, right, God? So then they try to change it say, I don't think it's saying no taxes. I think it's saying no exorbitant tax. All right, and then to move from right, no taxes to no exorbitant tax to no exorbitant tax to the poor. I think it's probably I think it's probably a, a merger here, and I, I'll explain myself in a moment. I want to propose that it's saying and this is a conviction. Um, it's saying, hey, when you as a believer have an opportunity to help someone who is in the margins, that we are to help them and not 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 offer any taxes. That we don't charge interest to those that we are helping to get a hand up. You hear that? We don't we don't we don't charge poor folk. <clears throat> Taxes. Now, here's a couple of things, though. It's not that you can't charge taxes. I love what he says here because he starts, he says, do not treat it like a business deal. The implications there is that you might have a business deal where you're going to charge some interest and that that is okay. So I think it's flawed to say you should never charge interest as a believer. But I would propose to you that then it says charge no interest. If you take your cloak, and this is whole sense of like just treating people fairly. Like, why would you take someone's their garment that they, now they're naked? He's like, really? And I love how he says it. Um, he says, because that cloak is the only covering your neighbor has. What else can they sleep in? I mean, I love how Jesus, just, every once in a while, God just gets straight on you. Like, man, you don't take his cloak? What, what are you going to sleep in? The point is like, you listen, you're reading that, you're like, yeah, that's true. Like, here, man, here's your, here's your coat back. Right? Because that's kind of dumb. That's just like, dude, why would you do someone like that? So God wants us to have that kind of mercy, that kind of compassion, where guys, everything is not written down. These aren't exhaustive laws. Have you noticed that? He doesn't go, these aren't exhaustive. These are, these are, this is, we talk about this. Many frameworks within the Bible are occasional. The reason I want to propose even a lot of this is here, because these things are happening. So God, in his grace, is, is talking to these issues. And I say that to say, in essence, what we are to leave with is a sense of like, man, I want to treat people right. I want to treat people right. So he's trying to protect the welfare and the needy. He goes on in verse 28. Do not blaspheme God or curse the ruler of uh, your people. Which is actually the third, uh, coming from the third and fifth commandment here. And he uses, this is so interesting. He, uh, he says this here, and, and we see this actually quoted in Acts 23, verse 5, right? Remember, we did, we went through the book of Acts. Remember when, when Paul was, um, he was in the courtroom, and he, and they, they get mad at him because he's winning an argument, right? And then they smack him, right? They beat him down a little bit. Uh, and he, and then he said something smart to one of the rulers. And Paul was really upset, like, why'd you just hit me? And they were like, look, because you spoke ill to one of our rulers. And what's interesting to me, he was totally dead wrong. They're beating him up. He's in the courtroom for unjust reason. And this brother said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I said that to the ruler. Because you know what God says in his word. And he quotes this passage. Can you imagine? I mean, I, man, I mean, the, the Holy Spirit would have had to say, Eric, you need to say, I mean, and tap me, and he would have had to be right here for me. When I know I'm right, and you beat me up, right? I'd have been like, I can't give you, no, he was like, no, you're right. I should never, I should never accuse, I should never accuse a ruler. I'm sorry, right? In that passage there, it was, 
and I want to propose, he, he bring, he bring, he, I bring that up to say it should hopefully show the seriousness of, of loving and caring for your rulers and, and particularly about God, right? And I say, I would suggest that it is not a derivative or of, about just governmental leaders, right? But, but that this is also, he brings this up because it's also due to the failure uh, to embrace the respect for God and his words about leaders. So when you and I, when we dog a leader, right, when we, and, and obviously church leaders, but leaders in general, God is actually proposing that you have an affront to the leader, but you also are dishonoring God, because God told you not to treat a leader like that. You see that? That it's an affront to, to your king. And this speaks, I mean, this speaks volumes, if, if, I'm, if I'm fair. In our culture these days, I mean, you talk about one of the, the glaring issues, I think, in our culture these days is the absolute disrespect for people who are in authority, not to mention uh, elders, I mean, elderly people. Right. This is a word for us as young believers to really take to heart. How do I honor people who are in positions of authority? What does that look like? Right. He, uh, he, he ends in this guy. He says, do not hold back offerings from your granaries or your vats. You must give me the firstborn of your sons. Do the same with your cattle and your sheep. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but give them to me on the eighth day. Right? So then he, 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 he goes about this, and, and he talks about this issue. He brings up the tithing piece a little bit. And uh, if you remember, uh, this is interesting, right? Well, well, God, you might think, well, give my kid. I mean, that's just coming from the Passover, correct? If you remember the Passover, God, you got that, brother? God, so during the Passover, God saved the firstborn of the Israelites, right? And so in essence, uh, he sees that firstborn as being his. And so what he does, instead of taking the firstborn, two things happen here. Uh, before he institutes this, there was, a, there was a, a payment that was given to the people of God, right? In essence, when you had a baby. But then what God did was he said, instead of me taking your kid, is I'm going to provide uh, the Levitical priesthood. So I'm going to, so basically, I will, I will see the Levites as your payment. Right? As a one kid. That's what he does. Okay? So that's why. So then the Levites were the people of God who were set apart to lead the people of God to Yahweh. Okay? So that's what's going on here. But the whole, but the whole point is why does God require this? Why does God require this and why can't he? And I would say, actually the point should be why doesn't God require more? See, the thing is, God wants, the reason why he does this is because he wants to get in our minds that I own everything. This is all mine. And I'm blessing you by not asking for 60% or 80% or 90%. Or actually, I gave it to you, give it all back and go get your own. Right? He doesn't do that. What God does is he provides for us and shows you he's merciful and kind. And in essence, our response to him is to provide back. And so he's asking us to be faithful there. Again, what do you do with that? Man, pause. I want to propose, take that information, look at the tithing document in your discipleship binder. Um, if you don't have a binder and you want to still look at that document, it's on discipleshipdefined.com. You can just go ahead and download the whole thing and check out and get, and get a, a robust understanding about what does it mean to tithe. He ends, he ends it all. Those are like a lot of, a lot of, I know that's a lot, guys. He ends with just, hey, you are to, in an interesting verse 31, you are to be my holy people. 
He ends with that. He ends with a very cursory um, elementary framework that he provides for us to to, to rest in. I I mean, I say that because it's remedial almost to these guys. He says, you are to be my holy people, so do not eat the meat of an animal torn by wild bees, throw it to the dogs. (laughs) You're like, how does that fit with all this? I think it's so interesting that he would end there because that's one of the most basic uh, rudimentary things that an Israelite had to do. Right? I mean, think about it. When you, when you fast forward to the New Testament, when the people of God revealed, was revealed that Jesus was the king, and they all started walking with Jesus, and then Gentiles started pursuing Christ, and they were like, well, what does it mean? The Jews were like, well, okay, the Gentiles are Christians now. Well, should they, should they handle any of our laws? Should they do anything that we used to do? They was like, no, not, no, don't do it. Don't, yeah, all that stuff, don't do it. But hey, do this. What you got to do, though, make sure when you get the meat... Strangle the meat out, make sure there's no blood, make sure you, you're handling your meat right. That's how elementary this was. And so if you want to look at and, and that verse, let me see if I can uh, give you that verse. Uh, in verse 20 of, uh, of, of chapter 15, the scriptures read, but, sh- uh, but they should write to them. This is what the, the, the leaders were saying. Hey, you guys should write to these Gentiles and say, Abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from uh, what has been strangled and from blood, right? I bring it up to say, he ends by saying, hey, be holy for I am holy. That's how he ends it. He ends it with be holy and hey, you know know what I've told you all along? That's what gives him the rudimentary thing at the end. He doesn't end with a pow. He ends with like, and man, one plus one is two. Remember that. Right, because he wants us. He wants. He wants us to get it. At the end of the day, I'm just asking you to be like me. So the main thought, if you're a main thought person, you know, is that God's concern for the community is that we would represent Him well. And guys, if I can just give pastoral word, you know, uh, that's just huge. We need to. There's so many ways, right? I mean, are you hating evil? Are you loving what is good? Are you, are, you, are you asking God to continue to grow your heart to be spiritually sensitive? Are you, have, you, have you taken that dichotomy and, and see it like, like um, you got grace and fun here, holiness and legalism here? Do you do that? Do you kind of see holiness as being legalistic? Right? Do you see that? Do you feel like, man, well, I got to show how free I am in Christ. So I'm, I'm going to hit all these lines. I'm going to always kind of try to be close to the line to show how free I am. Or do people see you and they learn about who God is? They learn about his character when they're with you. Right? You know, I was uh, with a friend and, and I, was, I, was, I was kind of sad. He was just sharing with me how, you know, he's a young dude. And he was like, man, you had a culture. And some of, and some of the churches, I just feel like, is, you know, hey, we, you know, we, I got guys who are leaders, not here in our church, but I'm hoping not, who are making light of doing drugs, you know, making light of, of, of you know, getting drunk, making, you know, um, you know, I don't know the, the motivation of your words, but, but, but words in our culture that are seen as derogatory, we use them in a sense of Christian freedom, curse words and things of that sort. And it's just, the question is, I just want us all, as a, as a local body, my prayer is that when we're here, you know, just like the Lord, he's saying, represent us. Now, as a pastor, I got some flesh in this. I don't want you walking around here representing Mac like you foul. 
Right? I don't want people coming back and, and thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, that church, man, it, it cuts like sailors. And that's, that's partially as a pastor and, being, and having, you know, a little pride there. I admit that, family. But I also think there's something very redemptive and godly about me as your shepherd saying that. Saying, guys, I want people to look at you and they learn more about Jesus. And I think we're in line with the scriptures of Exodus chapter 22. So before all of us, before the Lord, just ask Jesus, Lord, where in my life, when people look at me, I'm kind of reminding them more about the world than Christ. They, get the, they, they learn more about what, how, how the world views Christian freedom. They learn more about how the world views freedom. They learn more about how the world views ethics. They learn a little more about how the world views tenacity and and frugalness and, and spending. And I mean, you, you, you figure out the, the subject matter and ask the Lord and be in community and say, man, when you see this in me, do you learn the cues? Do you feel like, man, yeah, that's what I see on Channel 5. <laughs> or is it like, man, I read that in the scriptures. That makes sense? Hear me here. Holiness and legalism do not need to be cousins. I'm not asking anybody in here to act like you're perfect. You need Jesus. I'm not asking us to be legalistic. I'm asking us to be free. But I'm asking us to be motivated by gospel grace. Be encouraged, guys. Here's what we're going to do as a response to that. I want us to take communion. I want us to do our tithing offering. And then I want us to just uh, I want to pray for you guys. And we're going to head home and enjoy Christ uh, throughout the rest of our day, okay? Again, for what's the takeaway? There's a lot there. Man, be, be like God. That's what God wants you to do. He wants you to, people to see this marriage and go, man, that reminds me of what I saw in Ephesians 5. That, that reminds me of what, of what I saw in Genesis before the fall. That, that's cool. Look at the sacrificial love. Look at the washing of the word. Look at the helpmate. Right? They don't want to see like, wow, look at you. You doing Genesis 3. You put it, she in a headlock. Like, what's going on? What, what is that? Look at how your mouth is. That's not Ephesians 4, right? Where your, your words are ministering grace to the hearer, right? So think about that, family. Uh, we are so gracious. We are so thankful that we can give you guys an opportunity to worship the Lord like this. Mac average, you get it. Um, uh, our new people, and if you are still trying to figure out what the gospel is and you're an unbeliever, we just want you to keep your wives to your side. This is not to get your money. This is really about worship. Everything we try to do here is to exalt Christ. God has given us everything as we try to make clear in the scriptures, so we give back to God to extend his kingdom in this place and in this time and in this community. That's what we're doing. If you get that as a believer and you're here, give. But if you don't, hey, we love that you came. We're thankful to have you here, and we pray that you've experienced the good news of the gospel. And the gospel is that you are messed up. Jesus could have destroyed us all. He didn't. God could have destroyed us, but he sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the pinnacle of mercy and grace. And it says in the scriptures, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And that you don't have to now jump through hoops. You don't have to just be perfect. But he says, no, you have to admit your brokenness, that you are flawed, that you had the audacity to think you can be your own God. And that you can give that over to Jesus and say, Lord, would you forgive me for trying to be king and not see you as king? And Jesus says, when we do that, when we, when we repent of our sins and we experience his forgiveness, we say, Lord, would you be my Lord and Savior? Would you be my rock? Would you allow me to put my trust, my confidence, my everything in you, Jesus? Jesus says, the work of faith 
He just saves you. He says he grabs you. And the scripture says that the work he's begun in you, he will complete until the day of redemption. Praise God. Jesus saves us. Save, saves you from what? E, what you mean saved from? Guess what? I'm being saved from put, Satan having me like a puppet. You being a puppet on the string if you're not a Christian. And that's what I'm saved from the tyranny of Satan. I'm saved from evil. I'm saved from the, the penalty of death. And I'm saved from sin itself. That's what Jesus does. He cleanses us fully. So that's what I'm saved from. And that's what you can be saved from too. If you're here right now, you know you've been playing church for a while, but you know in your heart, man, I, I haven't submitted to Christ as my ruler and king. I haven't experienced the Lion of Judah in my life. I haven't experienced the Lamb that was slain for my sin. You can experience that right now. I pray that you would um, say yes to Jesus. That's why we're here, to make much of Christ. So we don't want anyone leaving here without understanding that you have an opportunity to be saved and to know and experience the love of Christ. And we would love for you to experience that. And so then these things right here are just objects of worship. You, we'd love for you to worship God because of what he's done in your life. When these guys go back, then the elders will come up. We will do communion. It's a beautiful sacrament of God's grace for us. We take it very seriously where we get to remind each other that Jesus' body was broken for us and his blood was shed on the cross for our sins. And then we take it and we experience that grace. And the scripture says that we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. And so we, again, we do this. This is not, for us is very serious. This is not some snack. Right, So don't, if you don't know Christ and you're still wondering about the gospel, we tell you to allow this to pass by you. This is very serious for the Christian. Uh, we are asking, though, if you have given your life to Jesus right now, allow this to be one of your first acts of worship. Come down and, man, experience this grace. Uh, but do it knowing why we do what we do here. Okay, So you, they'll come down, we'll grab the elements, we'll go back to our seats, and then I'll come down and I'll lead us um, as a covenant community. Okay? So I'm going to give you that, uh, those instructions. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would be exalted continuously in the, in the rest of this time as we exalt you through tithe and offering. Give us wisdom on how to give back to this community and how to serve it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.